You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Tuesday, once again, on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. I am your host, Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Uh, it's, it's, it's not chill in the city of Philadelphia where we've had... Uh, it was an insane amount of heat and humidity last week. And the temperature still says like 80, 85. But the, the, humi- the humidity is just... It's just... I can't. I can't anymore. Like, it, can, it, can it be October already? Um, got the NBA finals going on. And also I got Dave early joining me. We're going to talk a little Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers with a piece that he did last week. So we're going to get into all that. But, uh, first, uh, Dave, how are you handling the heat the last couple of weeks? Uh, we, we had some heat advisory warnings here in New York city. Also, uh, don't you just pretty- love those, you know, I, the, the, the better part of it, you know, not that I wouldn't switch in a heartbeat, but <laughs> I haven't had to go like I would always take the subway to work. Jesus. Uh, and that, you know, when you get down there, it's like 114 degrees. So if you have to wear a dress shirt, it's now completely stuck to your back. Uh, and that's now I'm working from home more because of all this. So I at least avoid the subway in the middle of August or July. You know, come on, New York. It's bad enough that the train system in your city is like it, it's not always on time. It's actually last time I was up there, it was more late than anything. But come on, you're making all that money. You can afford air conditioning in the tunnels. Like, come on. You know what? Like, you, you can't you can't air condition just for the Ninja Turtles because then we do like fossil fuel. That is true. Handmaiden's Tale. <laughs> well played uh nba finals are going on uh how have you been enjoying the series so far with milwaukee being up three two well it's really it's really really hard not to enjoy this series um i was disappointed because i have this pet theory i don't know exactly the moment it happened but i think it was the first quarter in game four i couldn't stop staring at the way chris paul was moving I know he's got like ligaments in his right hand. I know Pat Beverly low bridged him and he sprained his left wrist. Oh yeah. But, um, but he was well on his way. You remember games one and two, all the narrative was, was he's finally headed for a finals MVP. He's going to put the, the John Elway on his career. Right. Um, and now it's like, he's not moving right. And I know that people will say, well, they switched drew onto him and that's true. And drew's sensational two way player. But he's, he doesn't look right to me, and I think – I don't know if we're going to hear he's got a hamstring or something. But that's been disappointing because now they have to play almost exclusively through Booker as an isolation player, and he's been red hot. But it's not uh, the type of winning basketball that 
that makes you feel really good. It's not like when they're getting those easy buckets to Aiton and working it around the bridges and then Booker gets going and it's over. I, I think the switch from us uh, to holiday has been incredibly beneficial for Milwaukee because, you know, holiday is bigger and he's stronger and younger than Chris Paul. So like he's out there giving Chris the business. And I, I don't know if Chris Paul is up to that for at least game six. If if they win game six and they go back to Phoenix, there's I there's no way I'm betting on Phoenix in game seven. You wouldn't bet on Phoenix at home in a Absolute, game seven? Absolutely not. Not with the way that uh, Chris Paul has looked the last two games. Like, so, like, I agree with you. Something's not right. But that makes me think that they could get smoked in game six. Um, but if, if somehow I'm surprised and they pulled it out, then I would have to fully reassess. And I, I say this to everybody that comes on the podcast the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'll, I'll take my winning bets now because I called Milwaukee at the beginning of the season. I called them after the Harden trade. I called them before the playoffs started. And I said Bucks and six when this whole thing started. So, uh, Dave, you can Venmo me. You can cash at me. Uh, that's fine. I'll give you all my tags. All right, but I'm going to put in a, this big fat. You know how Venmo tells you what is this for? <laughs> instead of instead of saying uh, you were right, I'm going to say, but they only barely beat the Nets without Harden and Kyrie. So okay. In, in theory, in theory, the Nets were the best team. A winning bet is still a winning bet. It's still cash in my pocket. I'm still Venmoing you this hypothetical bet we never made. <laughs> all right, fine. Okay, let's get into your piece. You discussed the relationship between Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, and I thought the piece was going to go one way, and it was complete. It was not what I was expecting. What did you expect? I thought it was something along the lines of, like, they're not getting along, and, Mm -hmm. like, there was stuff like that, but not necessarily. But I'm going to ask this question anyway. Based on what you were writing and all the research that you did, is there kind of a riff, kind of a kind of a separation between the kind of team that Daryl wants to build and the kind of team that Doc wants to coach? I mean, you have to do a lot of tea leaf reading to come up with a rift. My guess is there's not technically a rift, but if I'm Daryl Morey and I've had as much success as he had, and remember, he was down by 18 points heading into the fourth quarter with a less talented team and beat Doc Rivers. Clippers, like peak Chris Paul, peak Blake Griffin. That's correct. Peak J.D. Redick, and he did it with uh, Josh, what's his face, who's still getting stretch provisioned. But so, <laughs> you know, um, Josh Smith, much like uh, Bobby Pinilla, they, yeah, they, just, they just keep collecting those checks. He's still getting those checks. And he did it because he, he understood that it, you know, like a poker player knows if you're wildly outmatched, you increase your randomness, you increase your variance, right? Chuck a a pile of threes. And he's a really, really creative guy. And so when you hear him speak publicly and say, I I like having Dwight Howard because we want all the tools, but what I, you know, what I want to see or is what doc can do is some Simmons centric lineups. When Joel Embiid sits with shooters, you think, okay, good. And we're talking back in November, 2020, okay, good, we're finally going to see a team who knows how to utilize Simmons. You have to spread the floor for him and give him the ball for and let him clear out for him and 
run some pick and rolls where he can dive bomb against the rim, almost simulating his transition runs. Uh, and we got the opposite. We got like 400 minutes of him with Dwight, which we knew oh my God. five years ago wasn't going to work. <laughs> and uh, Hell, we knew that when both of those players were being conceived by their parents, like we can when, just look back and just like, hey, if these two are ever on the court together, it's not going to be a great fit. When I saw Iverson step over Ty Lue, I thought to myself, Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard's never going to work. Exactly. <laughs> that is the moment that it materialized <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> so it, it just, it almost feels like they violated um, a, a Bible of what to do with Ben Simmons. Thou shalt spread the floor. Ooh, thou, nice. shalt, thou shalt stagger his minutes with <laughs> Joel because they are not the perfect fit. Let's be honest. So, we know that Joel deserves some some lineups with lots of shooters, and Ben isn't one. So, and we know that he can carry almost any lineup. So you can get Shake his burn, you can get Corkmaz his burn, and Joel will keep them afloat. And then we know that Ben usually plays his best when Joel's not in the game. And so why not do a little bit to get the best out of Ben? It was almost like they they violated every single Ben principle this season. That's actually something that you brought up in your piece, the blatant lack of experimentation, especially mm-hmm. in those like beginning months of the season, like you said, November, December, uh, so on and so forth. And even when, you know, Joel was hurt, you were we were all just kind of hoping for some of these like Simmons at the five and four shooters lineups. But it just it just didn't happen. Is that like Doc being stubborn? Like, I don't know what that was. I think it's, I think it was hyper conservatism. I think the way uh, I quoted Derek Bodner and Rich Hoffman that, you know, they, they talked all year. They were like, I do feel concerned that he's going to go back to the idea of a traditional big the guy who can theoretically clog up the paint uh, because that's how doc feels most comfortable. And even with Daryl reminding us in November and then again in March that he doesn't have to only do that. That's essentially the way he was going to play it. And by the time it was like, tax day we knew that that's how it was going to run in the playoffs and they didn't even you know experiment like five ten minutes in a game at any point really that i can recall and like i was saying especially with Embiid hurt you had the idea you had the time to check and see how these lineups would work how they would be beneficial and it just it just didn't happen just to have a li- another little thing in that Swiss Army knife, and just Doc never did it. There was a Doc. Uh, there was a Daryl Morey quote from Kai Carl and Sixers Wire, where when they when they acquired George Hill, he said, "Now you can do some lineups that can essentially switch because everyone's a two way player." And he didn't see where everyone has playoff experience. He didn't say it, but what he meant was, uh, and remember, late March, Seth Seth Curry was still feeling maybe the effects of COVID. Yeah, he wasn't playing that well, certainly not as scorching hot as he was by playoff time. So you knew what he was saying. They could run out some lineups with George Hill, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. um, And help me out. Cork Moss, Danny Green, Danny Green, Green, whoever. So but they only played together like 13 possessions total. And I, I guess the first thing Doc Rivers would say was, you know, we were ramping up George. He didn't have a ton of time. But by the end of the season, do you remember? Like, it was like dominoes. Every, whoever the Sixers played, all their stars were not going to play. 
Right. And so there was a lot of games they could have really started ramping up their, okay, this is what we might do come second round. And they didn't do it. They, they did a lot of the starting lineup and then a lot of all bench. Uh, they did a lot of lineups with Dwight where you thought, okay, if this, if you end up playing Atlanta and they're exposing him, what else are you going to do? Or, but we were actually thinking beyond that. If you're going to play the nets and they run five out and Blake Griffin's behind the three point line or Milwaukee, and he used to go chase Brooke Lopez from three, what's going to happen. You need something else. They never learned what that something else was. Turns out Atlanta exposed them on it. Can we take a second and just acknowledge uh, the, the epic failure and the, I don't know what the heck that was decision to run to first of all, Tobias and an all bench lineup or like Simmons, Dwight Howard matchups. <laughs> I can we just take a moment and just kind of reminisce and just wonder what the hell was Doc Rivers thinking? So we, we th- I mean, this one speaks directly to some of our our friends at Liberty Ballers like we have smart people on our, on our site who pointed out that some of these lineups had like a plus seven differential. I think uh, at one point, Jackson Frank tweeted out like a Tobias Harris and four bench units uh, has a positive something, something, and they should be a part of the playoff rotation. And I think Steve Littman pointed out a very specific five player lineup that worked as well. And it looked like, you know, Dwight Howard is good rim protector. This is the way to play it. And I think that's how they looked at it. I think that's how Doc Rivers looked at it. Um, And I think it was fair to also look at those splits. Like they were like a 15th percentile offensive team. Right. They were, they're real 99th percentile defensive team. And it was like, I just, I didn't trust it. You didn't trust it. Derek Bonner and Rick Hoffman didn't trust it. Ben Dietrich didn't. A lot of people said, I mean, look, look at the blocks when Giannis sits, where are Middleton and Drew? Do you have like a 65-minute sample where Embiid and Ben are both on the bench like the Sixers had? That's more than a full game's worth against the Hawks. Yeah. That the two best players on the team were sitting. And uh, and you got you got outscored in those minutes in a series you barely lost. And so, you know, you look at Devin Booker and Chris Paul, they're both in the game pretty much the entire – one of them is in the game the entire game. And then you look at the way the Bucks do it. The Sixers are closer to the Bucks, and they have a quote unquote big three, right? Right. So Joel sits. Have, have the other two out there, and, then and if D- Dwight doesn't work, don't play him. And this is what I would always say when I saw when I saw those all bench lineups. I would just think, listen, if I put my coaching hat on, I'm the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, may God have mercy on all of your souls. Um, sure, Embiid Simmons to start the game. But, you know, MB is going to run out of gas like towards the fourth quarter, which mm-hmm. is fine. So take him out after like seven minutes and then have Simmons run out there with Harris and three shooters and let that run for the end of the first quarter, a little bit of the beginning of the second quarter. And then it becomes JoJo's turn to run a similar style offense with whoever Mike Scott yeah, at the then floor. Bench, then bench Ben and then bring JoJo back and play through Joe. Exactly. Like that, that Um, made the most that made so much sense to me. I don't know why that wasn't really even an option. And then bring Jojo and Ben back in come closing time. It was this 
you know, I called it like a zany butterfly effect. It was like, <laughs> okay, Dwight's the only big that I feel comfortable using. Okay. I learned halfway through the year that he doesn't work with Ben. Now I have two choices four, five bench guys or Tobias and bench guys. And I'm going to go with a little of both. Yeah. All bench got smoked. And then the, the Tobias and bench guys didn't get absolutely demolished, but they were still a minus 14 in the series. They lost by 17 total in four games. So you want it, those points back. You, I, you know what? Listen, I want those points back. I want game one back. Okay. Because mm. the, the assignment of Danny green on Trey young to start game that cost us game one, literally cost us game one. Yeah. Yeah. To, to doc's credit, and maybe maybe this will frustrate you, but he didn't go back to it the rest of the series. I mean, he couldn't. Danny Green got hurt, but it didn't. It seemed like he wasn't going to. You're arguing semantics there, Dave. I don't. I, Danny Green got hurt in Game Three. I don't think he was going to do it again. But it shouldn't have. Like I would have been terrified to try it in the first place. So after halfway through the first quarter, I would have said, "All right, this isn't working." And like you commented, how. Uh, Danny Green was on Westbrook to start the series against Washington, which is fine. Listen, if Russ wants to chuck up all those threes where he shoots less than 30%, you go right on ahead, Russ. You take all the threes and those little elbow jumpers that you want to take. You know what? We'll we'll set up a nice little uh, location. We'll set up a nice little area for all these bricks that you're throwing up. And yeah. we'll 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 build uh we'll we'll build houses here in Philadelphia and Washington D.C. Yeah, yeah, I think we we saw like that worked, and then I get I get the fear like okay, Beal is not like Trey Young. Trey Young is absolutely ruthless. I think we talked on a podcast about like his dirty tricks. So yeah, you didn't want him to foul up, and I get the fear. Um, but, but that being the case, you have to just go to Ben and just be able to trust him that he'll be able to play defense without fouling out. Yeah. Derek Bonner talked about that on his podcast. He said like, Ben doesn't get tired. You don't have to worry about energy. I heard you talk about energy. Ben usually is pretty good at staying out of foul trouble. And he was, he was with the exception of, I think game six, pretty much out of foul trouble. Um, And, and Tyrese Maxey saved them in that game anyway. Even when Ben has five fouls, he's still out there competing. And like he's got the veteran defensive moves already where it's just like he knows where he can put his body and his hands and things like that so that he doesn't pick up those cheap fouls. And I feel like by game two or three, he kind of had Trey Young's tricks down to a science and kind of knew how to avoid getting into foul trouble. Yeah, and this is, I didn't talk about this in the piece, but this speaks to the central theme of, you know, Daryl Moore knows probably like much more analytics than we do about how a coaching, a coach fearing foul trouble is often worse than the foul trouble itself. Like I take you out and I sit you for like 10 straight minutes. Meanwhile, you never pick up another foul the rest of the game. Right. How many minutes did I cost you total? And we also know refs swallow the whistle when a star gets his fifth foul. You saw Devin Booker take foul on Middleton and they didn't even call it mm-hmm. games ago. Um, so and and Devin Booker is out. Devin Booker was out there holding people in game five. I'm just like, yo, whistles. Yeah, cause, really? Cause, Come on. The refs don't want to give a guy his last foul and then be the story, you know? So I think that you want the front office to step in there and say, look, don't, worry too much about foul trouble in that scenario 
because the numbers show it's better to roll the dice and let the guy foul out. So Doc Rivers was an ownership hire. Doc was first and they brought in uh, Maury later. Yeah. Let's say let's flip that a little bit with your best educated guess between knowing how Daryl is and what kind of teams he likes to build and just kind of seeing what he has and just filling the bench out. Is there a name that probably Daryl would have preferred is the right word, I guess, maybe. So he because I can't because I can't say he was really in love with Doc Rivers. I can't really say that definitively. He he interviewed him when he was with Houston for the Houston job. Correct. But you don't know how that went because you suspect Daryl might have even let him know, like, I'm out of here. You know, this is. This is for their next coach, but I might not even be here. Who knows what what conversations those were? Um, And we have heard him say on podcasts stuff like, um, I would rather work with a coach who players love playing for than one who's like an an excellent tactician because it's all about uh, obtaining and keeping your stars and keeping them happy. Right. So I, I think he was more than content. Like, I don't think he would have taken the job if he couldn't work with doc or was devastated with doc. I think he was very much excited about the opportunity. That's a good point. If I had to guess though, based on his comments and based on like how predictable it wound up feeling like things that the Sixers were doomed by were coming. Like, you know, we started worrying about these things that ended up dooming them in January. Uh, I would guess that he's, maybe surprised at how um what's the right word how confident doc was and maybe not as open to input from the front office that was a criticism of danny ainge when they parted ways of doc and that was a criticism reportedly of uh, the clippers that they didn't think doc took enough uh input from the front office correct and you know, it became a famous thing that he wasn't adjusting even after mm. everyone was sharing those splits that Montrez Harrell was getting roasted and Zubac was doing better against Jokic. And uh, and, and listen, I, I like Doc Rivers. I think he's a great coach. I hope that he comes in next year and is more amenable to suggestion. I'm not saying that Daryl Morey take like the Jerry Jones route or the Mark Cuban route and he's just like sitting there on the bench or something like that. But yeah. I do kind of agree that with the team that he assembled and all of the expectations for this team, like there was no way Daryl Moore was going to go out there and give, you know, Becky Hammond like her first job, even though, damn it. OK, someone hire Becky Hammond for Christ's <laughs> sake. OK, I'm sick and tired of saying this every year. Um he wasn't she's, gonna... she's been working under pop and then she sees you go and bring in Chauncey, who's never coached. Right. <laughs> oh, she's my God. Be with that. Uh, don't even get me started. And she's Chauncey like, Billage. and now maybe Lillard wants to leave because of off the court stuff in his past. Like, all right, maybe she dodged that bullet. She probably dodged that bullet then. <laughs> True, but it wasn't going to be Becky Hammond. Like, I get, I get, I get the intrigue behind Dawn Staley, but that wasn't going to happen either. Uh, I'm on record saying that I was kind of a Dan Tony guy, even though it kind of made no sense with Joel Embiid on the roster. But um, yeah, we just. Are you hopeful that Doc will be like more, more compatible to input from the front office? Or is he at that point where it's just like, oh, 
no, this is me and this is how I coach. Like, that's it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not optimistic at all that he's going to have this, um, this come to Jesus moment because you know why he was fired, according to the athletic. Um, what was the guy's name? Buva. Judon Buva, I think. I Hit me. Give me name. the details. <laughs> but basically it was um, they were still Balmer was still open to keeping him. He wanted to hear Doc's explanation for why things went wrong. And Doc, one, defended his usage of. <laughs> Montrez Harrell. Oh my God. And, and two, you know, he had this monster chemistry blow up with them. And maybe, maybe none of it was his fault. Maybe it was pandemic related. Who knows? But then he also said, like, we needed a more of a traditional point guard. And I think it was the lack of accountability that made them say, you know what? I, I'd like a change. Mm. I'd like, to, and so I wonder if I'm Daryl Morey and I'm listening to Doc Rivers and I have that exit meeting. What does Doc say? Does he say I screwed up X, Y, and Z and it kills me and it's going to kill me for the rest of my career because we'll never have an easier path? Or does he defend himself and say, had Ben not done X, Y, and Z, we would have cakewalked. And if I'm Darren Murray, I'm listening extremely carefully to his explanation for what didn't work out. Um, because this is a team who we, when we fired Brett Brown, we were saying accountability and adjustments. Yeah. And those are the two things that have cost Doc Rivers terribly over the last you know handful of years that's why he and getting out of the second round and, and that was a big problem for him also so all of the things that were weaknesses with the sixers and you could take this back to backup center minutes with greg monroe in 2019 <laughs> not enough experimentation why do they keep playing boban he's not gonna be able to use in the playoffs uh you know it just feels like we're on rinse repeat mode here and it feels like doc's on rinse repeat mode from other stops he's had when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And even if Daryl didn't like his answer and he just said, OK, you know, what? It, it's been a year. Uh, here's here's a lump sum for the rest of your contract. We're, we're moving on. I feel like it's already too late because I feel like the best candidate to replace Doc is currently in Indiana. And that sucks. That yeah, that would have been exciting if they got Rick Carlisle. Um, not because I think Doc's a terrible coach. I think Doc's not a terrible coach. Here. No, but uh it's just really hard for me to like, even if they were to go get Dame Lillard now, you, you, if you were to make it to the conference finals, would you have confidence that doc rivers is the best coach for that job? And based on the last 10 years of his career, I don't have an easy time saying, yes, he is. I don't think so either. Just, and you know what we've seen these teams get thrown together and pieced together with like, duct tape and bubble gum amidst all of the superstardom and it just not working out and i don't know if because let's listen the clippers had paul george and Kawhi leonard on the same team and doc couldn't get that team out of, out of the damn second round of the playoffs tyloo had him one game away from the finals without Kawhi, right like oh my god like what do we oh man and you remember at the beginning of the season when uh brett got fired 
and Ty Lue's name was getting thrown around. And my whole he thing was, was my whole thing was, is Ty Lue a good coach or did Ty Lue benefit from being able to coach LeBron all these years? Looking back, I'm thinking he to myself, was the anti David Fisdale. He yes. was legit. <laughs> he was more like Spolestra. You might have looked very, uh, you know, cross-eyed at Spolestra. Is he really good? But now, now that LeBron's gone, you're like, oh yeah, he's real good. He's good. I, oh my god, I would, <laughs> I would give just about anything to, you know, get Spolstra on the on the Philly bench. But that's just not going to happen because Pat Riley. was a. Just- Pat Riley hates me and he, he won't allow that to happen. <laughs> there was there was that rumor that um that Joel didn't want Lou and maybe that had something to do with Lou sharing clutch with Ben and who knows how they're yeah. how Lou would, you know whatever. That's the other thing that I'm not quite a fan of in this new era of player entitled or t- player empowerment. I you know players are good players but they're not always the best GMs and they don't always make the best decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere like, you know, the Sixers are in a mess now. They're in a big fat mess. And if they show, if they don't like any trades and they decide they can't pull the trigger on these trades, maybe Embiid's restless. You know, he was criticizing Simmons, passive aggressively after the series some of the fans would just be straight up outraged and boost it shoot it boo. yeah yeah and and that's somewhat i think their own doing because i don't know that it would have been quite the same if they advanced and who knows what would have happened with bucks maybe the bucks smoked them maybe not but it's it, it seems like it was it's more likely that the blame would be a little bit more evenly distributed if they had made it that next round Oh no! If if it was Bucks Sixers in the ECFs, I would have said Sixers and seven in a heartbeat. You, you you're not alone. Some people would have picked them. Some people say like Bucks and five. I honestly don't know. I think I would have bet on the underdog either way. <laughs> yeah, because I think you're, it would be pretty. You're betting pretty on close. you're betting on the underdog just so you can get that sweet plus odds. That's what you're doing, Dave. I yeah, know what yeah, you're I would doing. Just- so I like you're, just take the you're, odds. you're a Sixers fan at heart, but in your head, you're like, you know what? If I bet the underdog, I'm going to make money. And uh, I love my team, but I love money in my pocket a little it, bit. It more. mitigates my emotional devastation when the Sixers lose. If I'm at least make a hundred bucks. Exactly. <laughs> and that's listen, just a little bit. I got, I've got to be, I got to be totally honest. You know what? I want, I'm <laughs> full disclosure. I want some money on those, on those Hawks games. It yeah. sucked. Yeah. It really sucked. But when I looked at my bank account, I was like, okay, it doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, I, I honestly did too, <laughs> but I, I didn't, it didn't hurt any less because <laughs> yeah, I was making those bets in that Joel is too hurt to be an impact player. And when I saw that he wasn't, I really expected victory and like, oh, I can't believe they lost that series, man. 26 point lead, 18 point lead going into the fourth. And and in that second half, Dwight Howard is a three minutes minus 11. And next thing you know, not that it's all on his fault, but it was some lineups that had just been got, getting spanked um, throughout the postseason. And, and it's like, next thing you know, we're in panic area. Would Daryl have been completely justified in firing Doc Rivers just on those two games in that series alone? Because I feel like it might have been. Oh, absolutely. Kyle Newback, Philly Voice, wrote a good piece. He, 
Doc Rivers is just as deserves just as much scrutiny. He's just as much to blame as Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons is very much to blame. And then you got yeah, um, they're trying. They're openly trying to trade Ben Simmons. Yeah. Meanwhile, Doc is going to be back on the bench next year, much to some, much to the chagrin of some in this town. Yeah, and there was another prominent. I think it might have been Rich Hoffman, but I don't want to misattribute this. Basically, said he he shit the bed. Um, <laughs> Sounds like something Rich would say. <laughs> And, you know, he said, I, I thought they would do a better job exploiting Trey Young. Shame on me for thinking they would. And shame on Doc for not actually doing it, which is a good uh, quote. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But ba- shame, basically. shame on all of us for thinking that Doc would do something so with such common sense as, hey, Ben Simmons, the guy guarding him is six feet shorter than him. Maybe I should do some stuff and put Ben in the post. Maybe I should try one of these Ben plus shooters lineups right now. If he, if he's your second best player and he is, and he's playing so well against Washington and now you're really relying on just Joel, I would have done a little bit to try to get him going. I know people yes. hate, the, hate the idea that you have to accommodate him because his lack of development. I get that. But at the same time, you want to win this series and giving a pick-me-up, giving some confidence to a guy who might not have some at the moment can work wonders. I mean, you see those clips of, like, Monty talking to Aiton. Like, you're down because you set the bar high. Here's what you're going to do. With Ben, you could do that. You could say, like, look, we're going to try to spread the floor, and I want you to just go post their Danilo. Uh, and if it's not there, I want you to kick it out to Seth and just see what he does. Like, I would have felt better if Ben and Doc were fighting a little bit. Like, yeah. One of them like, call play for me, damn it. Or we just called a play for you and you didn't run it. Damn it. Something yeah, like I that. just want, I just want Ben to go to, I just want to Ben one time that series, just be, just point to the guy that's guarding him and be like, look, look at how small he is compared to me. Put me in the post and let me go to work. Okay. I'm, I'm getting sick of this. Put yeah. shake out, put shake out there or George Hill or somebody bring the ball up. I'll go work my magic in the paint and we'll just and we'll just carry just get on my back. We're going to Milwaukee. Let's go. Yeah, I, I think the, the feedback loop was the game plan didn't maximize Ben's unique weirdness. And Ben played the good, <laughs> so, good soldier and just sort of fell into that. And then it cascaded and eventually he didn't want the ball because he was going to get fouled. Well, sadly, this is kind of a moot point, because like I said, Simmons is now openly on the trade market and is, is he on the roster to start the season? Is he traded mid season? I, I asked, I asked Tom this, I'm asking you this now. You know, it's always so difficult to picture a guy returning. Like, you know how awkward it might be. Like the fans are going to grow on the first free throw he misses. Yep. But if you were to look back at these situations, the dude usually is on that, on that, in that game when the season opens up jimmy butler was james harden was can't remember if no anthony davis was not anthony davis was not but these things do tend to drag out longer than than you might think when it feels untenable and i'm sorry you guys there is no perfect trade for ben simmons it just it does not exist there's a lot of uh hype around NBA general manager saying, oh, we're still really high on Simmons. We want him. We want him. We want him. Okay. well, what are you throwing at us? Uh, And like I was telling Tom last week, uh, the Warriors aren't throwing Seth Curry or uh, Steph Curry our way. I don't think that I honestly don't think Lillard gets traded. I honestly don't. And when it happens, 
it's probably going to happen tomorrow because I just said that now. Um, I am personally going through my uh, Zach Levine come to Jesus moment. That's the trade where I'm just going to think to myself, okay, I don't 100% love it, but I, I guess we didn't have to give up as much if we tried to trade for Lillard or Beal or something. I'm getting... I'm getting to I'm getting there, Zach Levine. I'm getting there. It, I don't think I don't think that they want to move him. I don't even know if he wants to come. Um, I mean, that's all it would take. He, you know, he is a pure sweat brethren. Uh, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine. They're all they all work out with Drew Hanlon. They're probably on some text message chains from the summer workouts. <laughs> Joel probably is like, come on, dude, let's win a title. And he's probably like, yeah, but I'll get a Supermax here or whatever. Right. <laughs> Zach is trying to secure the bag. And I kind of respect that, which is that's totally fine. Zach, you want to secure the bag? That's fine. Let me get this five years and in two, I'll, I'll ask to join you or something like that. Right. And I definitely don't want any part. Listen, I like the idea of hometown kid Kyle Lowry coming back but not for Ben Simmons no way no no the, the optics of you, you try to get Maxi at the deadline and instead I've waited six months and got Simmons that would be um, devastating I think the thing that fans who are not too outraged at Ben Simmons should think about is like if you were Daryl Moore you'd have this big whiteboard with fat heads on it and you'd have like okay let's say I have to give Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey and like, who knows, five picks, three picks, two swaps for Lillard or something like that. Uh, is that my walkaway point or do I give four picks, six picks? And then you look at, well, can I get, do, can I do Danny Green and one pick and one second and Matisse for Lowry and add him to this core and then use three picks for someone else? Yeah. Is that better than just having Lillard? to have you know tobias harris kyle lowry ben simmons joel Embiid, and someone else and one of your young guys maybe you can keep maxi i think that's how daryl will probably look at it if if he were just looking at it from a ice cold blooded basketball and not factoring in chemistry or fan sentiment or what ben wants honestly i like the idea of kyle lowry if they don't trade ben simmons i think lowry i think lowry simmons Embiid, harris i think that works Mm -hmm. But just but giving up Simmons for Lowry, I that's and if no, no, it doesn't do produce that. if it doesn't produce a championship, then you basically admit in the media that you got pants by Masai Ujiri. And I'm not trying to do that. And then you and then Joel Embiid would have to go and play them. And they already have his number. Imagine they add Ben to that. Oh, God. I can't. I can't. Doubling him from all sides. <laughs> that would be the that would be worse than the four rim game seven that would be a worse feeling but if but if they did have lillard you would have to you, you would see them as like a conference finalist automatically you'd think that yes. that team when healthy is definitely going to be in the final four uh um, i'll say i'll say it right now i don't think it's going to happen because i don't think lillard gets traded but lillard yeah. harris and Embiid, uh that's the favorite in the east folks i'm sorry but it is would, would would you explore trading Harris in that scenario? Because you could yeah. use like a, a Covington for some deep, extra defense for losing Ben. That's not a bad idea, but you have to think about the kind of message that Portland is sending if they're trading Damian Lillard, right? 
like if you're trading Damian, if you're trading Damian Lillard, you're admitting that, yeah, this era of Portland basketball is over and we're restarting. I didn't mean it had to be Covington. I meant just would you generally shop Tobias for defensive help and perimeter shooting? Maybe Um, because, you know, Tobias is Tobias is situationally good on defense. I don't think he has the quickness to guard some of the really faster wings out there. And he's definitely strong enough to body some of the fours. But if you're also giving up Thibel and possibly Maxi in a Lillard trade, there's no perimeter defense whatsoever on that team. Yeah. And I can't, that, that's something that I can't, I can't allow that. Yeah. Um, people say like, if you keep Ben, you're going to have the same problems in the playoffs. If you keep Tobias, you're going to have the same problems in the playoffs. If he has an off game, he's going to hurt you. Uh, if he goes eight for 24, it's going to be almost impossible to win that game because he's not making up for it on the defensive end. Here's the thing. If you trade Simmons for Lillard and then you lose all of the other defensive pieces in the trade, you're going to be losing games for different reasons. You're going to be losing games because you can't stop people as opposed to, Hey, we're losing games because we don't score enough. Daryl Moore, you might trust to go find some David Nwaba types to, to fit. Yeah. In. Um, I, I love when you reference David Nwaba on this podcast. <laughs> I got to say, I got to say it's an epic job by you, Dave. Um, you know, you, you trust like one thing he's really good at is finding help on the margins, finding like Ben Macklemore, disgrace from the nba and, and turning <laughs> into a very helpful guy somehow ben mclemore was a plus player when daryl morey traded for him i don't yeah. know how the hell it happened but it happened jesus yeah and when the sixers had an empty roster spot that they ended up giving to Corey brewer once the drunken dribbler <laughs> dan danwell house was available <laughs> Maury had to let him go for salary reasons and then got him back. And we could have really used him. We needed him and James Ennis. And, and that's why, like, you know what? I'm going to reference another uh, sort of disgraced Sacramento Kings player. Uh-oh. I'm not a, I'm not Lost. against I'm not against the possibility of Buddy Heald. But first okay. of all, not for Simmons. Um, second of all, I feel like Buddy Heald is in that place where, like, I hate to say it because it's like a hackneyed catchphrase, but but he really needs to get out of Sacramento. He really does. So th- that could be Danny Green sign and trade. It'd be pretty clean. You'd have to kick them something. They'll make it worth their while. That's fine. Work. But but Danny wouldn't want to do that. Uh, listen, Danny, you're getting you're getting paid. You're getting your bag. So just go to Sacramento right off in the sunset. But he could get a bag some... from a contender too, couldn't uh, he? Uh, well, listen, hey. <laughs> Danny Green has Danny Green has how many titles? Danny Green has how many rings in his house? Does he really need another one? He's chasing four, man. He wants to be Ori. (laughs) No, stop it. Nobody's ever going to be Ori. No, we're not allowing this to happen. Robert Ori is a once in a generation type player, and it cannot and should not be repeated ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Always fun talking to you, Dave, and. Man, I don't know how I feel about this whole Doc Rivers situation, but I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful he'll have this like moment of clarity where he's just thinking to himself, wow, I screwed that up royal last year. Let me try some of these alternative lineups that people keep bugging me about. If you're if you're Maury, you basically you can't give him a guy that can't be used in any scenario. Like you can't give him Dwight Howard because 
if, if there's a situation or a team where Dwight Howard is unplayable, he might be out there a lot. So you just can't have anyone. You have to be perfect. You have to have a perfect roster if, if Doc's going to uh, coach like he did in 2021. Daryl Morey needs to come out like <laughs> Billy Bean in the Moneyball movie, where it's, mm-hmm. like, where it's like, listen, I traded Dwight Howard. You got to play somebody else. You got to play mm-hmm. anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want you to, I want you to have no shortstop. I want you to shift the entire, <laughs> do things you've never done before. And I want Hatterberg at first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to, we're going to go big for Euclid. <laughs> first and only Moneyball reference on this podcast. I swear. I swear. That's the only time it's going to come up. Uh, Dave, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your, your talented writings and musings and uh, podcastings. If you do that as well. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at David Early, D-A-V-I-D-E-A-R-L-Y. I write for Liberty Ballers, and I have a podcast called No Particular Hurry. Dave Early, always a pleasure having you on, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Uh, it always goes without saying every year around this time. Should be a fun offseason. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> or... or- or at least an uplifting one. We'll see. Do you think they're going to use their draft pick? Oh, that's a whole nother discussion. I don't. I don't have the brain power right, we'll for that right it. now. I'll I don't have the brain. It. I will save Stay that. Cool for, man. Stay I'll, cool. I'll save. The, I'll save that thought for our draft roundtable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll talk to you soon. Stay cool and uh, yeah, New York subways. Get some air conditioning down there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon, Dave. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.